Hi, welcome back. I'm Aloha. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It's Jar too. <laughs> and Kelly. And this is Let's Talk Literature. Literature. Every time. Every single time. I Every time. I promise it's on purpose. Yeah. Anyway, this is our second attempt at doing this. We had to redo it because the sound quality last time wasn't that great. And for our fans, for our Who listeners. Fans? Shout I, out. Shout out to Kyron. <laughs> our only fan we couldn't do that to him so we re-recorded Karen, i'm always texting him when we got a new episode and he just texts me he's just like i oh, love it and i'm like ah and then when the last time i went to blue out he's like i'm listening to your podcast he didn't text me that time though so i knew he hated the last episode it's okay we'll make this one we'll make this better yes so we're back with uh book two of the simon snow series two wayward son we said so many good things last time i hope that we can recollect and channel the same energy we made some points we had some opinions and now we're going to share our opinions today again again take two take two you'll never hear take one but you'll hear take two take one was awful but it was so good it was good content okay Really quick, before we move on to, like, spoiler-free review, if this is your first time listening to, like, any episode from us, we are just covering the Simon Snow trilogy by Rainbow Rowell. Our previous episode was Carry On, and now this one's Wayward Son, and at the time of this specific recording, the new one is out. Anyway, the one blows. I'm only on chapter five, but everyone should read it right now. So we are just starting off with the second episode, so... It's about a guy, kid, the first one was about a kid named Simon. 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 A kid named Simon. He went to the world of mages because he was a chosen one, beat a bad guy. The second one is what happens after you beat the bad guy. Think Harry Potter, just a tiny bit, but it's not Harry Potter. Just kind of same tiny little concept. Just tiny. We're coming back after the events of the first book have already unraveled. And this is a story about what happens after the happily ever after. Right? Mm -hmm. In your best spoiler-free plot summary, how can we sum up this book? That's hard. After you've already done it once. Um, The best way, spoiler-free, like I said earlier, it's what happens after you're done being the chosen one. Like, it's not just about Simon in this one, per se. He kind of takes a back seat in his own story in this one. I really feel like his best friend and his boyfriend take, like, the most attention in the book. And Georgia's making me nervous because <laughs> she's telling me to speak up. I feel like I'm so loud. But, so... Simon is just dealing with the the aftermath of being the chosen one and now he doesn't have any magic and he's just trying he's not really trying but like he's at a crossroads of maybe trying I guess and trying to figure out what his place is in the world Mm -hmm. while also I think holding a lot of guilt and shame from the whole ordeal of the finale of the last book right and his friends and his boyfriend is just trying to be there for him in the best way that they can but it's hard 
and they go on this fabulous little American road trip because they're all from England. They don't know what the heck is up with America, and they make it very clear in the book <laughs> how much they don't know what America is doing. Right. Really quick, mm-hmm. the drink we have chosen for this book is a classic American cocktail. Ooh. It's Sex on the Beach. Sex on the Beach. Um, My favorite uni days <laughs> cocktail. Shut up. You're not... Oh, sorry. Uh, Chartu's from Britain. She's English. <laughs> so in her university days, not her college not days. Not university. In my uni days. <laughs> not college. That was my favorite drink. Her sex on the beach. Her sex on the beach. Sorry for the accent. I can't help myself. But <laughs> if you can tell, I've already had a drink or two. Right. We're drinking sex on the beach. We eventually end up on the beach. And yeah. The beach. Right. Can we go to the beach? Yes. After the podcast. Oh, okay. So, basically, this book is about a boy and a boy and and a a girl girl. (laughs) and another boy and another girl and and their adventure across the pond. Across the pond in America. In the Great Plains. Mm. Freedom for all. <laughs> if we're all a good night. <laughs> <laughs> they make it very clear that they're like, America is America. Right. <laughs> they like make it so clear that they think America is lawless. <laughs> <laughs> and this book really grapples with the feeling of purpose. And what happens to one after they seem to lose their life's purpose? Yeah, or they've accomplished their life's purpose. Uh, sorry, their life's purpose, and they're only like twenty. Right. And what happens next? And they have a tail. And they have a tail, and yeah. not even a dragon's tail, like a weird cartoon devil tail with a spade on the end. Yeah, and they like, and they have wings. I always forget Simon has wings. I'm like, what? You know what? I never really... Let, we didn't talk about this the first time, but I'm going to bring it up now. Just a little aside here. Sorry if we're distracted. I don't understand how he has the capability to fly anymore without magic. That's what I'm saying. He has magic. He just doesn't think he has magic. Because if he can fly, I mean, having the extra appendages... Appendages. You did this last time. Oh my! I cannot. Extra extra crap on his back. (laughs) Appendages. His appendage. What is the plural of appendage? Please put in the comment section below. Appendages. (laughs) Appendages. Why do you want to do jizzes? I don't know. (laughs) I don't. It's appendage. I don't want to do (laughs) jizzes. It's appendage, and then it's appendages. What? Appendages. Appendages. Oh, sorry. You confused me. <laughs> Appendage and appendages. <laughs> okay, appendage Append- plural. Appendages. He has these- I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that part in Finding Nemo where he was trying to say anemone, but he made it way too hard. It was like, anemone. And I was like, anemone is not a hard word. I was like, anemone, get it right. I was like, I was angry. I was like, Mom, they're stupid. This is movie. not a hard word. It's anemone. Right. So he had he has extra appendages 
mm-hmm. plural. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't understand how that gives them the capability to fly. Well, I mean, birds don't have any magical powers and they can fly. Yeah, but birds' bodies are made that way. And also... Okay, what about the hummingbird? Oh, I'm sorry. The bee. <laughs> Technically, bees shouldn't be able to fly. Is that a rumor? I don't know. But, you know, like, what I'm saying is they they grow up their whole bird lives already knowing how to fly. No, they have to learn. They have to fly. learn how to fly. But that just makes more sense for birds. They're anatomically correct. Simon had to learn how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the hell up. So, Simon should not know how to fly without magic. I remember being like, Simon's Case and point. I Anywho. Just believe, I believe he has magic. I just believe he doesn't know. Like He's like just so deep in his own craft that he just feels like he's still the drain. But he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, he's been floating. This book talks of themes of guilt and shame. It's very existential. It is really existential. Existential, but I don't think like there are enough like YA novels that YA deal novels with that. Deal with that, yeah. Um, are we done with spoiler free so we could talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean we can be we done with about some themes and stuff before we actually go into the actual book, right? So if you want something a little bit heavier than last time, mm-hmm. a little bit more thought-provoking, but still just as fun and whimsical. A little bit stupid. But still kind of clever. Also, it's two days before my birthday. Just thought everyone should know. All ten of our listeners, including Colin. Right. You should definitely check out Wayward Son. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I liked it better than the first book because I felt like it really stood on its own. Oh, yeah. Um, aside from the Harry Potter Oh, yeah, because comparison was heavy in the first one. Right. But this one stands on its own. Oh, yeah. It's its own novel. It's doing its own thing. And I feel like it was a perfect segue into the final kind of like novel catharsis ending that we're all looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Anyway... I think we should lead out of the spoiler-free plot summary and try to get into more spoiler territory. Okay. So, if this is where your end is... You're stupid and you read the book and come back. You're not stupid, though. I love you. Thank you for listening so far for the past 10-ish minutes. I can't tell because we talked a lot at the beginning we about did. things that didn't have to do with the book. We are going to have to edit that out. For sure. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Good night. Spoilers! Spoilers. Okay. Spoilers. And then I'll go into themes. Basically, Simon is bleh. And they go to America. They Mm -hmm. deal with weird shit. They deal with the polycat and shit like that. And we meet Shepard. And obviously, Shepard and Penny are going to have a thing, but they haven't had a thing yet. Pie. Shepard has just broken up with her boyfriend, Michael, and she just. She doesn't know how to deal. Ah. And then she meets Shepard and she's like, a normal? Ew. But he's a normal who wants to know everything. So then he helps him on their quest. And they go to Las Vegas. And there's a big vampire battle. Because vampires are trying to match with mages so that they can be powerful and have magic like Baz. And they think Baz is one of them. But Baz isn't one of them because he was born a mage and then turned into a vampire. But they are vampires trying to have magic. So... Big battle ensues, and Simon tries to break up with Baz, and Baz is like, no thanks, and they go back to England.
and that's the end. And Judge is going to go a little bit more detailed. You know, looking at me crazy. (laughs) That's the best. That's the best and most concise plot summary we have ever had. Because that's literally what the book is about. And for the love of God, we never actually tell you guys what the hell the book is about. So I'm kind of mad that she can do that in literally 30 seconds. And we're all just so confused all the time. I feel like Louise from Ant-Man. I don't know that reference. Oh, yes, you do. No, I don't. You've never watched Ant-Man? No, I haven't. You've never watched Ant-Man and the Wasp? No, I haven't. You don't know who Michael Pena is? I don't know. I love that man. I met him in Pond City Market once. Can we talk about (laughs) Wayward Son? (laughs) Michael Pena is so good. Sorry. Oh, I like Michael Pena. Yeah, and uh, what was it called? Collateral Beauty? Ugh, exquisite. His character had me crying like a baby. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to think about it. I'm still crying. Let's segue back to the book. So like Kelly gave that brief rundown before, it starts with Simon on the couch just being sorry for himself, kind of being sad, and just being Blech. truly awful to Baz. Oh, Basil doesn't He doesn't mean to because Baz is also like Baz isn't being awful to Simon. He is doing everything he can to like be like I care about you. Right. But Simon takes everything the wrong way. So Simon thinks that Baz doesn't love him. I their relationship comes off to me a little kind of unhealthy. Oh yeah. And I when I was kind of listening to this book back the next time, the last time, mm-hmm. because we recorded this before and I had read the book physically, mm-hmm. and then I was kind of just listening to the audio book, I was kind of like, this relationship is a little toxic. Simon doesn't really know how to deal with his trauma. Bass doesn't know how to help Simon through his trauma. Therefore, they're not communicating effectively. No, and they spent a really long time being so angsty to each other and feigning hate. Right. That they, I don't think they've ever been comfortable in each other's face, except for when they're, like, touching each other. Not inappropriately, like, holding hands, kissing, like, stuff like that, when they realize that they reciprocated feelings. But they've never actually sat down and had an honest-to-God conversation. It, that's why their relationship is toxic, because they're they're together, but they've only ever been mean to each other. Yeah, and they don't know how to be nice to each other. Simon doesn't know how to effectively express his feelings towards Baz. And Baz doesn't know how to communicate that his needs aren't being met in the relationship. So we're at a stalemate at the beginning of the book. They do. And it's very heartbreaking to see them like that. Um, Penny has this great idea. Boom. We're going to go to America. I'm going to go find my boyfriend that I haven't spoken to in a year. And even though he told me, dead ass, do not come here, I'm going to pop up in there and do what I have to do. Penny, does. Um, she's a steamroller. She's a tornado. Oof. Oof. <laughs> don't, don't throw those words that Micah said. Um, she's a steamroller. And like Jersey said, she's a tornado. She's a tornado. And, like, I admire her drive. She's a real Leslie Nope, if you've ever seen Parks and Recreation. I feel like Leslie Nope. She was a steamroller. Ben said she was a steamroller. She was a steamroller. Season three. But I feel like she just wasn't as egregious as Penny. Like, Penny is, like, 
obnoxiously. She even says so. She's like, I don't bother worrying about being wrong because I'm almost always right. That was one of my favorite parts of the book when she was talking about that concept where she was basically like, more times than not, I'm right. So I don't want to bother about thinking about whether I'm right or wrong and then spend most of my life waffling between the two. I can just assume I'm right and then on the off chance I'm wrong, it's only 20% of the time. Yeah, and Shepard's just like, okay. We haven't met Shepard yet. Oh, no, but we haven't. But Shepard a- takes her whole personality as, I'm cool with it. I just love that. He was so chill. Um, but basically, I love Petty She's just in, in that way. But yeah. I feel like she was so elitist and rude and arrogant yeah, in this she book. Because Baz kind of makes it known that, like, although the Bunces, which Penelope is a Bunce, um, although the Bunces are a, an old family, they don't have money like Baz does. He doesn't say it obnoxiously. He did in the beginning when he was like rude, rude, and just projecting a lot of his own crap onto Simon and everybody. So, but Penelope is elitist in that she just believes that mages, like, what's life without magic? Mm-hmm. And like, normals are fine, but ew. <laughs> Basically. Well, I feel like this was kind of like speaking on the classism that exists in like English society too. Also, her family doesn't have money, but they have power. Yeah. But as you're saying. It's it's kind of speaking on the classism that kind of exists in English society. One of the themes. I think that it was really cool to get into that with Penelope's character. I didn't really take her this way in the first book. I felt like in this book, she was really, 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 really obnoxious and elitist. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because in the first book, we didn't really center on Penelope like that. We didn't see into her worldview as much as we did in this book. But this book, at some point, was just like, oh, my God. I kind of always got that vibe from her because I compared the first book a lot to Harry Potter. So I made a lot of my assumptions based off of Harry Potter. You know what I mean? So, like, I just considered her Hermione. Hermione was never, like... She wasn't, like, classes. No, she wasn't classes. Oh, God bless Hermione. But she was a steamroller when it came to academics and spells and stuff like that. But the main difference between that was, like, Hermione was mixed blood. And so she didn't have, like, the space to be, She wasn't mixed blood. She was just purely, like, she was, um... She was muggle-born. So she just... Just happened to get the power, which I think is really cool in the Harry Potter universe. We're not talking about Harry Potter, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so she wasn't of magic descendants. So she didn't really have the space to be like, magicians are better than everybody else. And so when we get to America, we see a lot more of the magical world than we do in the Watford kind of like realm, where we see that there's magical creatures that are outside of magicians Mm -hmm. kind of like living their life which we'll get into later. But that's one of the reasons why I found Penelope so egregious because she basically did not give a shit about anybody that wasn't a magician. No, she She was just like, trolls, um, other magical creatures, rivers, dragons, whatever, they're like peasants. And we're the only thing that deserves to practice magic. Shepard loves everything. He loves anything that has magic in it. 
whether they can wield it or they just are it. He just loves it. And he's a normal. And you know they're gonna fall in love. And she's gonna hate it. We're gonna get we're gonna get back to the to dissecting the plot, but like every time Shepard and um Penelope, <laughs> I was going to say Penny and Penelope at the same time. Yeah. Every time Shepard and Penny were on stage, I was like, okay, now Kip. I hate you. Kip. Like, it would, at least she's not her mom. Her mom is like, oh, wait, just kidding. I can't say that because that's a spoiler. We are in spoilers. You can say Spoiler it. for the third book. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, because at the time of this recording, I don't remember if I said it earlier. I think I did. But the third book is out and I'm... Uh, Ten chapters in. I don't think I'm that far. Maybe Five eight. chapters. That's what you said early. Yeah. But this book is good. It's awesome. <laughs> so we actually go to America. Penny magics everything. Um, she hides Simon's wings. She magics his passport. She gets him off the couch finally. Baz isn't psyched about going to America, but he just wants his boyfriend to feel alive again. So he's kind of like, yeah, let's do it. And we spend this plane ride to get to America. And the plan is go to Micah's house and then figure it out from there. Now, when I read Penelope's chapter right before they left, and I heard that conversation between her and Micah, we already knew what was about to go down. Yeah, we did. We, it was very clear to see that she was just not getting it. And it was the most embarrassing thing I think I've read in a while. Dirt, you can't do secondhand embarrassment to the fact that she read this thing. Like, if she sees somebody on any TV show or, like, any, like, movie or anything like that and they're doing something embarrassing, she, she can't watch it. That is true. I made you watch Chuck with me, I think. And you just said, Kelly, why do you hate? <laughs> I was listening to the audiobook and screaming in my car. I almost skipped it, but I was like, for the fans. For, shut <laughs> up. for yourself, girl. I will listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, so Micah basically breaks up with her. That's what he calls her tornado. And I was like, I low key wouldn't have been mad if a boy called me a tornado. If somebody was like, he said I'm a force. If somebody was like, Chachi, you're a tornado, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Snap for creativity. I hate you. That was great. So now everything is in disarray. Penelope's like, this was a dumb as shit idea. We need to go back to England because America's clearly not made for us. And ironically, it's like Baz the one that's like, no, we're already here. Let's do it. And Simon really wants to take this road trip he's really into it it's the first time they've kind of seen him react be happy show any type of emotion except blah for like the past year anytime they did something exhilarating someone was like Baz I love you which was another thing we will talk about but they're like yeah let's keep going let's do it so they take this great American road trip which I loved they went to a lot of different American landmarks, which I've never been to, but I was still like, hell yeah, America. <laughs> what was it? He said Carhenge and the Joshua Tree. Tree, yeah. And a couple other things. They did the Hoover go- Dam. Oh, yeah. They were so excited. When they were at the Renaissance Fair, 
and the the theme of the Renaissance Fair was basically like English, <laughs> and everybody had it like didn't the matter. the bad the bad English accents. What's up, governor? I was just like, that is so America. <laughs> When the yeah. girl was like, great accents, guys. I was great like, accent, oh. yo. Oh, sorry. Great accent, you guys. I was like, I what can't. What say? Great accent, mate. Like, <laughs> what am I Penelope was like, they have awful Scottish, English, really, really bad Australian accents. You <laughs> they know, were all supposed to be British. My friend Naya told me that when I do a British accent, it sounds Australian. I don't think. I So if I do like a. I feel like no one hate me, okay? I don't know about the regions. <laughs> but, like, Southern English, I feel like it's more like this. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that SNL skit where, what was it? Phoebe from, uh, what's it called? What's it called? Um, Friends? Fleabag. Fleabag. She was like, I asked the doctor to give me an allergic reaction. <laughs> or she was like, is this a hate crime? <laughs> I don't think that was British, so. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was the most American thing. Like, American people making fun of English accents are just not caring. <laughs> and then English people being mad about it. I was like, wow, I'm living for this. You know what's really funny is I've seen a thing going around where, like, Americans will agree that America is uh, not the best. But as soon as a British person says that America sucks, they're like, like cracking their knuckles and they're like, <laughs> America is the land of free. Because it's the trauma. Is it 400, 300 year old trauma? It's, it's the revolution. <laughs> we won. <laughs> Get off our back. They're like, you want to talk about the tea? I'm like, dang, not this fight again. <laughs> again. <laughs> right. I feel like the most American thing nowadays is to be wholly unpatriotic, <laughs> except when it comes to... A lot to... of people our age are like, yeah. America's history sucks. Right. I'm not saying America sucks. Don't want anyone to think that. We love America here. But we do obviously have a shady history, and to deny that is really stupid. And just be like America is the land of the free and the home of the brave and just pretend like nothing that we ever did in the past existed is the dumbest thing that you can do. Yeah, so I feel like it's pretty trendy to be like low-key unpatriotic except when an English person is talking about America. Then Americans are like, hold on, hold hold the phone, colonizer. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Who are you talking to? But yeah, so the Renaissance Fair was hilarious because for that simple fact, like when that girl was like, nice accents, I literally died. And then, bum, 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 vampires come out. Vampires. I'm not interstage left. <laughs> That's what. I'm pouring my, I'm pouring a little bit of my sauce on the beach. No one, no one paid attention to me. Would you like some more? Yes. I want, sorry y'all. It's ASMR now. Is that good? Do you want more? A, li- a little oh. more. Oh, she wants more. Okay, so... Oh, okay. Y'all, y'all know that scene from New Girl where Schmidt wants to know that thing about Nick? I don't know if I can say it on the podcast. No, it's a PG-13 podcast. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, if you watch New Girl, you know what I'm talking about. And he's asking New... Uh, he's asking... I said no. 
asking Jess how long it is. And he's like, okay, just tell me when. What? Hold on. It's not that. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me start over. It's unrealistic. Y'all know that part? That's how I felt when Darcy, the first time I poured Darcy's drink. And I was like, okay, tell me when. And she just let it fill up. <laughs> she just let that thing fill up. And I got real concerned. It was a hard day. <laughs> anyway, after stage left, Shepard comes into the picture. Shepherd. And he's seeing them fight. And he's seeing the talkers talk. Which is what they, they call them in America. They call them talkers instead of mages. Speakers. Speakers. Wait, speakers are the mages. Speakers are the mages. Talkers, talkers are the normals. Normal. Girl, I don't know. I don't understand why the words mean the same thing. But I love different that you people. love this book. I love it so much. When I first uh, showed this book to Darcy, she was like, yeah, we'll do the first one. It's whatever. She kept texting me. She said, I love Baz. I love him. So he's like, oh. and Grim Pitch. He said he is my son. She just she just formed this weird kinship with Baz. And you know a lot of people who love this book do that and I've just I love Baz. I've never felt that. I will tattoo I Baz's Baz. name across my booty cheek. Wait, hold it on. is too much for me. Idea. Right here on her hip. You get Baz. I get Sam. How do you feel? I don't know. <laughs> How do you feel? It's not after actual people. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll think about it. Oh, we'll table or that. Or you can, you can design mine and you can do mine as Baz and yours as Simon. No, I want Baz on me. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right. So, Shepard comes and then he's trying to kind of break into the friend group. We don't really know the deal with Shepard, but he doesn't seem like a bad guy. We've casted intention spells on him. He's fine. He's purple. He just wants to know information. Exactly. Which is really cool. I also really love how, like, we didn't, we touched on this more so when we first did this episode back before we had to re record. But what's really cool is. People like Penelope are very elitist in the fact that mages are better than normals. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, it's normals, like words and phrases that give the mages any sort of power. And when Shepard so... said that, I was like, Mike, drop. Oh, yeah. He was like, without me, y'all are useless. Right. And in terms of him being a talker, which is someone who is a normal, and Penelope being a speaker, which is someone who's a mage, American lingo. And... The next chapter, his first words are, well, I screwed that up. I screwed that yeah. Because <laughs> he, he's like, I, there's no way they're going to let me join in on the fun now. And he says how magicians are the worst people or worst beings to try to get to know because they're so secretive. Like, he is friends with fairies and dragons and... Bodies of water. Literally. But he <laughs> cannot get in with a wizard. Because he's so life. awkward. <laughs> That probably says more about his social skills than mages, but yeah. <laughs> so he's basically like, you guys think you're better than the rest of us normals, but without our vocabulary, your magic is useless. Yep. I love when Penelope was like, who told us about the, na- who told you about the nature of our magic? Who told you how that works? Let me find them so I can put them in front of an international he's like, tribunal. He's like, I literally just asked. Exactly. I feel like being a being a ta- a speaker in America is very lonely. There's no sense of community like there is in the world of mages in in England. Mm-hmm. Like they 
Try to shut up. They just mostly keep to themselves. And they only really learn, like, advanced spells if they become foreign exchange students and go to, like, the world of mages. Because mm-hmm. that's where Watford is. And um, it's how Micah, like, got to learn more stuff. But in actuality, most speakers in America keep to themselves and their own families. They marry normals all the time. And they don't ever tell them they're magicians. And they just use their spells to do the dishes. And then people who don't have, like... <laughs> or take over the world, oh, apparently, yeah. Yeah. according They're, to Davey. Oh, yeah. So, like, the people who, um... The people who want to use their magic chaotically are usually... They usually have bad intentions. Davey, who is the ma- the, the mage, <laughs> who uh, died. Um, and it's also, spoiler, Simon's father. He doesn't know that. Um... Basically, he just thinks of America as very lawless, as does Baz. Can and we talk about that one t- pause? That yeah. one moment where Baz just rants for like 20 minutes about how much America sucks. He's like, God, I hate the sun. Iowa shit. Illinois shit. <laughs> Sorry, Iowa. Sorry, Sorry, Illinois. But Baz really didn't like y'all. Yeah, he didn't like Illinois. He was either. like, grass isn't as green as he it is like in Nebraska. England. Rainbow Ross from Nebraska. I love how she always includes Nebraska in any of her books. It's Chef's Kiss. Beautiful. Because you're like, Nebraska. I ain't never been there, but Nebraska. Nebraska. But yeah, I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, I was just basically saying, like, they're very elitist. And mm-hmm. Shepard just wants to know everything. No, we're talking about. Um... American speakers and how they're it must be lonely for oh, them. Oh yeah, and then like you're either working the regular American dream and just just having a family and just using your spells to wash the dishes and like vacuum the living room or trying to take over the world. Trying to take over the world with what magic you know. Or you live in a dead zone but you're a special magical being that doesn't need to like spew magic out to exist in a dead zone and you just like do whatever you want. You're like a bandit. Mm-hmm. Nomad. After they meet Shepard, they get into a lot of trouble because they're trying to ditch him, but he's really like the person that would t- be able to tell them what's going on, where to go. This is a really cool concept for like the desolate areas of America, like in the Great Plains where there's not a lot of population. And you can feel it in the words of the book. Right. There's a dead zone mm-hmm. in terms of magic because magic, the magic in this book, at least how it works, needs people to foster it mm-hmm. and to kind of like birth it to life. Mm-hmm. So if there's no people in the area, the magic doesn't exist. And so they keep ending up in dead zones and being attacked by other magical creatures who don't necessarily need uh uh, talkers to make their magic work and so Shepard gets them out of a lot of trouble and I just love the different elements of this book like how she made them the the mountains dragons yes oh that was gorgeous I love that and she said they're stern right I liked how um, the magical creatures that were in love with Shepard because he was just such a cool, down-to-earth dude were also like, ill these magicians. <laughs> and everyone, like, he cares about other magical beings so much that they are always like, you're too nice. Please take care of yourself. Like, we want to make sure you're safe. 
And he's like, I'll be fine. I'm we love you, anyway, but there's not so every fine. everybody's not like us. And they just love him so much. I'm just like, yes, Shepherd Pie. We love you. I hate you. I almost, I love him a little bit less than I love Baz. But basically Shepherd is a He's a he's a smooth number two. He's awesome. I love him, but uh they're like, Oh, these you're hanging out with bad company. These these mages are ugh, you're in the ghetto. <laughs> so anyway, after we go through different trials of like dead zones and trying to find out where Agatha is, we get kind of stirred to the direction of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas is where all the vampires hang out, which is I don't doubt it for sure. I'm not going to Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm not trying to have all that. It makes sense that Las Vegas is the most chaotic place in America. You're, y'all remember the election where we were waiting for where we were waiting we're for the having a mental breakdown. Right, we're waiting for them to count the the ballots in Las Vegas, and they're taking forever. We're plotting out all of the different ways. You woke up at three a.m. You said, "Who won Florida?" And I said, go back to sleep. Not even that that election. Do not trigger me like that. <laughs> this past election. <laughs> not that election. This past election. We were waiting for Las Vegas, but we're like, Las Vegas and Rita holding Nevada together, trying to make it blue. <laughs> All the music quality, but it was very chaotic. It was. Back to the book. We get to Vegas. And we go to this vampire hotel. Baz is like this sexy devil thing. <laughs> and he's trying to do his thing, get in with the vampires in America. Mm-hmm. Do I want Baz to stay in America? Low key. I liked him in America. Oh, only, yeah. only because he, he didn't have to hide who he was. Yeah. He wasn't at risk of being staked through the heart. And everybody was just open. so like, whatever. Right. But any maid she comes across, I'm a vampire. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> they would kill him. He always has to hide who he is in England. But Simon's in England. His family's in England. His friend's in England. Watford's in England. So he doesn't want to be in America. But I really liked him in this setting where he was in a group, with among a group of beings and allowed to be who he actually is and not have to hide himself. Yep, I agree with you there. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. We get there. We go to a hotel that was run by Dracula. If Dracula didn't care that everybody knew he was Dracula. Mm-hmm. Everything was black and goth. And Baz was wearing a floral fluorescent suit. Baz. When, um, when Shepard was like, it's... Perfect. Vampires are usually over the top. And Baz was like, no, it's perfect because it's perfect. I was like, yes, babe. You better tell Shepard. Somehow I feel like Shepard is like kind of weird and like not fashionable at all. I'm like our precious <laughs> Tyrannus Balancing Grim Bitch. So then they meet the vampire king whose name is Lamb. And is apparently British, but sounds super American, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Because Baz didn't realize he was British. Ah! When, the, when Lamb was like, eh, are you from London? And then Baz was like, by way of Hampshire. I was by like, way of Hampshire. I was like, please. I feel like that's how Baz talks. Simon's like, yeah, my name's Simon Smith. 
<laughs> but there's some snow. And Baz is like, Boaz to Hemsha. What? I don't know. It's like Snape and his little baby. Right. Baz is like Snape's oh, baby boy. Please. So they meet Lamb. <laughs> and Lamb is the king of vampires. We don't know that by now, but him and but him and Baz are like chatting it up. And Baz is like, I need to find the new blood next wave Spotify original vampires. What are they called? Spotify original <laughs> vampire. Now next. Now next. <laughs> yeah, that was their own. That was their group name. Oh, and Agatha. We forgot about Agatha. Agatha. I don't care about Agatha. She did not. Agatha is Simon's ex-girlfriend. And... She moved to California and she decided to be a right prick about everything. And so we don't care about Agatha. Every Agatha cap... Every Agatha chapter, I was like, skip. But then... She you had, know, it, it felt like that, and then you would get in the middle of the chapter, and you'd be like, ooh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And then you'd be back to Simon or Baz and be like, fuck. I feel like we didn't talk enough about Agatha. Agatha. Let's circle back. In this book, Agatha, she leaves Watford. She ran away from her family and her life and I don't really like her because of that I feel like you can lie about a lot of things but you can't lie about who you are and I feel like she was running away from her identity so I feel like she had what was coming to her but basically she ends up doing the role yeah she gets involved with the vampires trying to be like mages and she gets stuck in that role of damsel in distress, the, the yeah. same role she's already always stuck in. And she hates that role. She absolutely hates it. Um, she... What is this <laughs> She hates being a damsel in distress. It's the reason she left England and went to America to be with Ginger. And now she's stuck in that role again. And she's she's tried so hard not to be part of that life that she's completely like cut off Simon, cut off Baz, she's cut off Penelope, who's been trying really hard to reach her, and it's also part of the reason they went to America. Very last minute, Agatha asked for help from them. And I know Dorothy did not like her, and I get why she abandoned everybody. But I also understand why she abandoned everybody. She is literally the manic pixie dream girl of Wofford. Barely even. She's just like, Somebody that Simon was with before he was with Baz. And I understand and, why she would feel insecure about and that. And she's conscious about it. She doesn't want to be that. She literally says in one of her chapters that she was literally, she was just somebody to make her boyfriend feel straight. Oh, and that sucks. Yeah, I understand. So I understand. She's never been able to have her own life. She was just the chosen one's girlfriend. So I understand why she ran away from everything and tried to live her own life only to get caught up in a vampire cult. And to have to be saved by her ex-boyfriend. When she was like, I knew Again. they were coming. I knew they were going to save me because they can't help themselves. They always have to save me. I died laughing. And you know, I wouldn't have known Agatha had such a good personality or such a good sense of humor if we didn't like delve more into her. Because she was very on the, very much so on the back burner in the first book. Mm-hmm. And in this book, I was like, wow, Agatha's funny. She's a dick, but she's funny. Uh, so basically, just 
to touch on her a little bit. She's kidnapped by these now next new wave Spotify original vampires. <laughs> and that's why they're even doing the whole hoopla of trying to find the next blood. Yeah. Or the new blood or the next wave. I do not. I still do not know their names. The ne- the now next. The na- are they now next? Yeah, they're now the next. The now next generational identity new wave podcasters vampires. Vampires. She's kidnapped by them. And so that's why they're on this whole mission. They go to they go to Vegas, they meet Lamb, they find the now next. Bum bum bum. Lamb's not the best. He double crosses Baz. He trapped him. And they beat the hell out of some now next new wave podcasters. Okay. <laughs> and Penelope and Agatha in the greatest show of feminine power, of girl power, of cheetah girl spirit, hold hands. And <laughs> we stand together. They cast some deadly spells. They burn vampires up. They slice their lips open. Oof. Oh, yes. And they 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 use the 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 magic from the the talkers at the festival that Agatha wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. There's like basically like a Coachella going on. Lad. The burning, the, the burning lad, the burning lad festival. It's basically like this book's Coachella. It's happening like down the street or something. And so they're using the energy from the talkers, and they are just like fucking shit up. Agatha and uh, Penelope. Mm-hmm. For the first time, I actually feel like they're evenly matched, and they're like friend friends. Yeah. Yeah, Simon gets hurt pretty bad during this fight, but is able to recover after they put some spells on him. And the end of the book of Wayward Son is basically them getting back to Agatha's place in San Diego, going inside and being like completely dusted, and then having to go back to London abruptly because something's happening, um, which we'll find out when we read Anyway the Wind Blows. The wind blows, doesn't really matter to me. To me, do, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's where it ends. Some things that happen at the end of the book Penelope convinces Shepard to go to London with him. What's oh, yeah. with her? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now Kiff, he's cursed. Now Kiff, he's cursed. He's his soul is elsewhere and not in his body, not to his, not in his possession. Nope. Uh, Baz and Simon are literally right on the precipice of breaking up when news disrupts Simon from being able to pull the trigger. Because Simon doesn't want to, but he feels like he needs to. Because he's hold- he feels like he's holding Baz back. This whole insecurity thing is getting too much for me at this point. Agatha's like, all right, I guess I'll go see my parents since I almost died again. And so we're really at a fever pitch. We're really at this like this climax for the next book is where we end off on this book, which I love and I feel so very invested in. Uh so at this point, I think what we did in the first one was talk about our favorite quotes from the book. So Kelly, yes. what were your favorite quotes from the book? All right, I have them. 
I have them screenshotted. Give me one moment. Sorry, I have them. Uh, I took a picture. Alright. So, one moment was when Baz realized that the magic depends on the region. So, he kept doing spells. Penelope kept doing spells. And for as smart as these bitches are, they didn't know why their magic was not working. Because they were in America. I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. It's your friend. I hate you. So their spells work different. He was trying to do bugger off, push off, snap off. And then finally, Shepard, who he didn't know yet, said buzz off. And he was able to do buzz off. Um, time out. I, in my American life, all 24 of my American years have never said buzz buzz off. off. Buzz off, Kelly. You know what? That's Rainbow Rowell's fault because the homegirl's from Nebraska. Maybe they use buzz off in Nebraska, but never in my ATL life. I hate you. (laughs) And uh, one where Baz is watching Simon fight, and he just says, Simon's beautiful in battle. He never stops. Um, You never see him plan his next move. He doesn't plan. He just moves. And that's just so powerful. And then another part, let me see. Pew, 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 pew. And then a moment where they really feel like Simon's kind of come back to them after they finish fighting. Because I think fighting gives Simon, like, some kind of purpose. He remembers who he used to be. Mm -hmm. And he says, then we all start walking faster, as fast as we can without breaking into a run. Trying to stay ahead of the dispersing crowd. As soon as we get through the exit, we do run. Down the steps, past the queue, past the fairies and the peasants and the vaping warlords. I can't stop laughing. I haven't felt this good in a year. And it felt like we had old Simon back. I felt really happy during that part. I felt like I was running when I was reading that. Yeah. And then another part was uh, was when Baz was describing America. And he says, I was being poetic earlier when I said that America was endless. And he's just... There's another part where he does talk about how, um, like the mage says, how America is. They said, mavericks and terrorists, no sense of community, no common goals. Half of them using their magic to wash the dishes, half of them living like debauched sultans. I blame the vernacular, wholly unstable, too much in flux. Their dialect is like a river stripped of its natural bends and shallows. Their spells expire before they ever master them. Um, that part was so funny and I was like wow really <laughs> and then I love when Penelope's trying to figure out who Shepard is and he's literally like or she's like are you really a normal and he says completely I'm, I'm a basic most, bitch <laughs> I'm the most basic bitch possible and then when they get in that argument like we mentioned earlier and Shepard says without me you're useless and the next chapter is literally well messed that up messed <laughs> that up and then I think that is, yeah, those are all my quotes. One of my favorite quotes from this is when Simon finally opened up and was allowed himself to be vulnerable. And he was just kind of like, I'd give him all that I am. I'd give him all that I was. I'd open up a vein. I'd tie our hearts together chamber by chamber. I literally screamed. And Baz being like able to like accept Simon in such a vulnerable state and not demand an explanation, not demand why now, why here, and just allow him to like be together with him in that moment. 
I thought that was a great chef's kiss. Awesome writing. Rainbow Rowell's writing is very interesting. I think that's another thing we should touch on. Because I feel like with her characters, even though they all have their own point of view, you never really know what they're thinking until their action displays it. Mm -hmm. Because they'll say they want to do something a certain way, but then they completely react differently to something that has happened to them. And then that's when they lay it on the table for both the, the audience and themselves. They're like discovering things at the same time. To hear and they're like I've just been hiding this for myself and in them hiding it for themselves they've been hiding it from us too mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting it's like watching a movie when you when you read these books I, that's why I love her writing that's why I love the first book she doesn't tell you she shows you when Simon and Baz were a thing we didn't see it coming like randomly it was Baz's point of view and he was like I'm in love with Simon Snow I until, was like until ah! the action happens mm-hmm 364. And then you don't know what Simon's feelings about Baz are until he like kisses Baz. I was like, I guess I've liked Baz this whole time. Yeah, he's like, I thought I hated him. Well, <laughs> wrong. What are some things you're looking forward to in the next book? A solution. Simon figuring out his shit. Like I said, this book basically like does tell you it does show like that existential crisis you have when you've done what you've expected to do your whole life say you're expect like your parents or whoever you put yourself on a like an extreme emphasis on you graduating high school and graduating college you've done both now what's next a job like what do you want to do what feels important to you simon the whole time has been the chosen one well he defeated the humdrum and the mage died what's left for him he's only 20 years old but he's done everything that everybody has always expected him to accomplish since he was 11 years old so i feel like i want closure for simon and i want simon and bass to actually have a relationship where you see that they're joking and they're laughing and they're like able to be themselves around each other and it moves past that point of enemies to lovers because i feel like enemies to lovers is a chef's kiss trope but also in that trope you you have to learn to be comfortable around someone after the fact that you have feelings for them, which is that much harder. Right. Because you have to learn to trust them. And I don't think they fully trust each other, which is why they have so many issues in Wayward Son. That's why Simon doesn't believe that Baz is truly happy with him as he and is. And vice versa. Exactly. But Simon's going through his shit and Baz doesn't know how to help him. There's too much trauma around. I felt like Baz was able to get closure in the last book in terms of like his mom's death, but not in terms of like him actually turning into a vampire. So he's I would a like vampire. He's a wizard. He's gay. Like it's just too much. Yeah. I would like closure for Baz too, and I would like them to stop walking on eggshells with oh, each yeah. other. They walk so hard on them eggshells, girl. I just want them to be happy. I want to see like genuine love between the two uh, characters. I need Simon to figure out. Um, he was a mage in like from birthright that yeah. he deserved the magic and that he That's wasn't clear. Yeah, he wasn't a fluke, he wasn't like a fraud or anything, that that was his magic. Mm-hmm. I need him to figure that out. And I would like closure, like Kelly said, uh, for all of the characters. I think we're gonna get that, and I'm really excited to read about it. Yeah, I would like Simon to figure out who the mage was in his life. Davy, 
and I would like him to push past it and realize that he's made his own little family. And I would like something to have from Shepard and Penelope. Mm. Now kiss. I think it was the biggest slap in the face that Penelope needed to meet a normal. A normal who loves magic and will stop her from being so elitist because I don't think she realizes how elitist she is. Right. Because she's like, <laughs> she looks at her mom and she's like, ooh. She's like, I can't be, she's like, I can't be elitist. I'm a person of color. And I'm like, ooh, but you're speciesist. So I just hope it opens up her eyes. And I hope Bags is able to be comfortable with his own family again. Because again, he has stated this from the first book that he's been uncomfortable. It's basically the way his relationship is with Simon is the way that his relationship is with his family at home. It feels like he walks on eggshells every time. He talks about stepping into that house ever since his mother died because he knows that he is like the weirdest thing to exist Mm -hmm. because he's so many different things and I think he shames himself for it too so I just want him to be secure in himself. That's beautiful. Thank you. He's been miserable for so long and I feel like Simon was a little like gleam in his life but he's got but he's never dealt with his issues so he needs to deal with his issues. I feel like that's why the book is so relatable because we can see ourselves in the character, us in our grown age can Mm -hmm. see ourselves and these characters who are, I mean, younger, but not that much younger than us. But they're dealing with like, although it's magical, they deal with the same themes that we deal with in our own lives and our own relationships. And that's the beautiful part about this book. I feel like a lot of people are going to find these characters relatable they're going to grapple with their, their purpose, their meaning, what happens after they're happily ever after. They're going to grapple with their trauma and how to deal with that and how to be vulnerable, how to be open and accepting. And I feel like they'll see a lot of themselves in Tyrannus and or Basilton and Simon. I also feel like this is a good place to wrap up. I think we did a good job on uh, closing it up. Yeah. So we'll bet, rewind, we'll be back in two weeks with our review of Any Way the Wind Blows. Hopefully we get that audio situated. It may be in Kelly's new apartment. Oh, my new apartment with my new job. It may be. Um, And we'll just keep you guys updated. Thank you so much for listening thus far. And have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Good night. Or good morning. Whenever oh, you choose to listen to this scheduled podcast. Good afternoon. Good Hopefully morning. this will be up by Sunday. I'll work my hardest. Goodbye. Goodbye.